Welcome to the Play Their Way podcast, where we talk about all things in child-first coaching. I'm your host, Laura Jane Jones, and today I'm excited to welcome our special guest, Eugene Minogue. Welcome to the pod. How are you today? Uh, thanks for having me, yeah. Um, a bit sweaty after the walk here, but other than that, yeah, I enjoyed it. Spotting the playgrounds on the way in. It's good. Brilliant stuff. Eugene is the executive director of Play England, the former CEO of Parkour UK and the founder of the No Ball Games movement, which is all about replacing those archaic no ball game signs and changing the culture around play in communities. Eugene, with an intro like that, I've got very high expectations of how much fun we're going to have because it sounds like play is pretty central to what you're about. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what play does really mean to you. I think um, for me, you know, as human beings, we've got an obligation to play. Um, and I think that's the, the, the drumbeat I've been banging for, for many years now, whether it was at park or through my um, sort of day jobs at sort of various sort of local authorities and other bits and pieces. And it means a lot to me because certainly when I was a child, I was able to play out quite freely. Um, you know, my children have grown up under very different restrictions and um, circumstances than me as a child. So I want to get some of that back, not just for my children, but for for our children really um so i think there's a real opportunity for for us in the in the, what i call the movement landscape now so whether that's sport physical activity uh leisure uh physical literacy whatever you want to label you want to put on it i think there's a, a real opportunity for us to coalesce around that but also play is an intrinsic part of that um and more fundamentally the foundation to all human movement it's interesting when you say that children today have grown up in a very different way to how you and I may have grown up is that not just a an evolution of play uh, I think it's the diminishment of, of, of play if, if that's a word um, you know it's certainly uh, not as freely accessible um, as, as it was when I was a child certainly when I grew up in the in the 80s not giving too much away around my my age um, but certainly the world has got smaller physically uh, for children but certainly bigger digitally um, so we're now in a new digital age um, and we've got to respond to that um, this isn't about um, you know your computer consoles versus being active I think there's uh, a coalescing um, around the emergence between the two and we've got to embrace that but equally um, and I think more fundamentally we've got to get back to the basics and play is the foundation of 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 all movement really you know you look at sport england's own data around children and young people and the number one activity on there 62 percent, i believe is children doing active play um you know why play involves movement it's not just restricted to movement there's obviously the sort of creative side um that sort of comes with that but for this today we're going to be concentrating on the the more active side of play um so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time and hopefully we can add some value as Play England. One thing I want to bring you back to there is you mentioned fidgetal play, which you didn't hear that wrong, listeners. That's a phrase that you've kind of coined around this generation. So explain what fidgetal play means. It's not just fidgetal play or what I call fidgetal activities. Um, so it's for everybody across the piece, the growth of things like uh, generative AI, uh, augmented uh, reality, virtual reality is now virtually commonplace, uh, particularly for generation alpha. Um, so my children, uh, as opposed to millennials like me, I'm just a millennial, so I'll take it. Um, so the world has changed fundamentally around us and us as professionals in this sector have got to be able to respond to that in a positive way and understand that there's a brave new world there but at the same time um, the further you look back the further you can see into the future I think that's a Churchillian quote Um, but what I mean by that is you know 
making sure that our children have space to play as well as places to play. So things like being able to do certainly what I did as a, a child, freely playing outside uh, mum's house and having a run around the streets and playing Kirby and tag and whatever game it was. Um, you know, mob, going, mob for me. Yeah, uh, all, all sort of different colloquialisms around it. Um, so yeah, playing all sorts of different games and activities um, and then providing the places for it. Um, so whether that be playgrounds, and that's not the only place children should play, but again, we've we've socially normed that play should take place in a place as opposed to in a space. And I think you can extrapolate that out to, to sporting activities. So hence why I've been running the No Ball Games campaign since 2011, really, uh, since my neighbour got a No Ball Games sign put on my mum's house. Um, and coincidentally, she also got the council to remove the tree outside of our house because we was climbing in the tree as well. So even that, you know, this is where we need to fundamentally change and get back to the basics and making sure that we value play we protect play we enhance it and we start reproviding for play again um at the moment because i think we've got to a point where we've sportized children for far too long we've still sportized them far too early um so i think there's an opportunity to to come back to play understand what play is and the inherent value it has to us as human beings and and to society. I think sometimes people get a little bit lost in the millennials, Gen Z, Gen A metrics of how we're measuring ages nowadays. I like to think of us as the kind of um, space hopper and roller skates generation and, yes. and this current one of the iPad generation. But if we're the coaches and we're the leaders, why is it that play feels like it's getting lost and children have been sportized, as you say, so much in these environments? Yeah, I think part of it is the social norming around um, play sort of slowly disappearing. So if you go back to certainly when we were children, you'd have play services, you'll have adventure playgrounds um, all across uh, different parts of the country. We could certainly do things that our children can't do now um, or they don't have the same expectation of of doing. So there's the societal sort of norming piece. Uh, there's the weaknesses, particularly in England's planning system um, around that, you know, as an example, the statutory protection for newts and bats uh, within the uh, planning system. But we don't have the same for children and play. You know, that's shameful, um, if I'm being frank, around where we are, certainly as a nation, uh, particularly in England. You know, you contrast that to Scotland and Wales, who have place efficiency legislation so they're certainly in a more advantageous position than us in in england and i think we can learn from that and take and take that out um so there's real opportunity there um but at the same time we need to be conscious that we're not continuing to fail our children particularly when it comes to their physical and mental health formal play feels like a bit of an oxymoron but when we're applying this to a coaching and sports environment how do we inject more play into those sessions I know that before we started recording the podcast you said to me that your daughter's a gymnast and her favourite bit is that last 10 minutes where you get to play and I think all of us who've ever done any kind of organised sport can relate to that it's that you know three on three kick around or or you know netball games that were piggy in the middle essentially those are the bits you look forward to how do we make that play a running theme throughout a sports session? How do coaches bring that back in? I think that's the bit where the most value takes place. It's the, it's the free play bit um, where children certainly can get to negotiate. Um, they get to learn about themselves, um, you know, navigate things like conflict, um, but also can just be very innovative in the way that they, they do stuff. Um, and I think that's where the most 
value can take place uh, with it all. You know, I spoke earlier around sportizing children too early, and I think we need to bring the fun back in um, and make sure children have the opportunity to play within a sports session. Uh, you know, I think we forget that we play sport. We don't sport sport. Um, you know, and when you point out a lot of people laughing, well, yeah, that makes sense. And it's the same like I was at the Charity Shield uh, yesterday. Um, yes, it was a professional match, but at the same time, they were there to play the game of football. Um, and most of the time, most sports involve some sort of game. Um, and going back to my daughter, the, the bits that she enjoys most, um, yes, she enjoys the gym training but she enjoys um the mucking about at the end you know being in the pit and the other bits and pieces same with my son who plays uh cricket and he also does life saving it's it's the fun elements where he gets to splash around with his mates or just you know go in the cricket nets and just just throw the ball around and just just be themselves really do you think we need to recalibrate people's thought processes around play is there almost a negative connotation in a sporting environment that that play means that children aren't taking it seriously enough or that we're not going to produce the next england cricketers and olympic gold winning gymnasts if it's too fun if there's too much play involved yeah, I, I think to a certain extent you're right but i would also argue it from the the opposite end of the spectrum that play has that inherent uh, value there um, that is often overlooked, uh, particularly by coaches, because even when you go on coaching courses and the other bits and pieces, it's very um, rigid, if you like. It's very formal in terms of what you're doing, you know, in terms of coaching, session plans, warm-ups, cool-downs and other bits. Yes, we're, it's always looking at it from an athlete's perspective, but when you strip back what it is, behind the athlete is a human and there's a child there. And the child intrinsically wants to play. And I think that's the bit that we need to tune into. And I think if we do tune into it, we will keep children more active, whether that's through play on the active side or the creative side or through sport or sports or physical activity, whatever you want to label it. I think that's where we need to get back to. Um, and I think this is part of the, the problem why um, sports in their silos have been competing for the same audiences and see children as their athletes as opposed to just seeing them as as children and i think this is this is part of the opportunity that we've now now got um it's unfortunate that we've gone all the way down this rabbit hole and play has by and large um sort of been forgotten in that and hence why um play england are here to sort of put play back on the agenda and sort of provide support to the sports system and bring learning to to that system but vice versa to meet sport halfway and for you know people to understand there is massive benefits in in play and particularly free play um, and parents role in that is key where does free play fit into sports though so how can a coach for instance inject that into a session i've got 10 minutes at the end i want to introduce free play i mean it sounds quite obvious just send them off to play but how do you still keep it structured around your sport how do you still keep it beneficial to to your sport and your session yeah, I think that the, the most simplest thing is just get out of the way. You know, the, this the thing we you know we're we're always in children's way um, in terms of doing that, and I don't think we give children enough credit around um, how competent they are um, with it all. And we need to yes, there's certain things that we need to put in place around safeguarding and welfare, um, but at the same time we need to to trust children um, and give them the, the free space to go do really um you know and to build confidence and resilience um and understanding that there is benefit in risk um you know that there's there's bits with that and that's how we learn as human beings to run jump climb crawl swing bat run whatever you want to 
name it, but you learn the building blocks of that through play. You know, uh, we, t- we, we start talking about stuff way too early. So things like physical literacy, physical activity, sport, exercise, fitness, whatever it is. But the foundation to all of that is play. We all played as children. And I think as adults, we all forget that we're former children. Um, There's an irony, isn't there, that as the world's got smaller for children, it's in no small part down to us trying to keep them safe. But by diminishing their ability to play and their right to play and their space to play, are we in fact removing some of their self-advocacy and perhaps those lessons that we learned when we were playing as kids, do you think? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think that's that's a fundamental um, part that we need to readdress the balance um, on with it all. We can't uh, sterilise everything uh, and make everything safe. You know, as, as an example, you can only learn to cross the road by learning by crossing the road um there are inherent risks in that but that's the beauty of sport sport any sport has inherent inherent risks uh with it you know whether that be injury um or whether that be um sort of uh you know something that may happen through through the session or the sport itself or other bits and pieces this is the stuff that we we need to understand yes there are guardrails that we need to put in place um as a society and as adults but sometimes we just need to learn to get out of the way. Um, you know, one of the, the the key things that the play sector has been arguing for and has now got, there's a new international ISO standard around benefit risk assessments. And that's making sure when we assess risk, we also take into account the benefits um, that come along that. And that, that ISO standard is out there now and it covers not just play, but sport and recreation and physical activity. So I'd encourage people to go go read it and embrace that uh, benefit risk assessment approach. It's something in the play sector we've been advocating for for a long time. Um, so there's there's lots out there um, and we can support with that from a Play England perspective. What are the sports that you think are, are showing that you can do this well, that you can make play an intrinsic part of the way that you bring children up and through a sport? Yeah, all sports have that. Um, like I said earlier, you know, you play sport, you don't sport sport. So it's it's there. Um, and I would encourage all sports um, to try and get back to, particularly when they're w- working with or coaching children and young people, that you get back and build in the fun and the play elements. Um, and I would put a, a wider call out there to the sector, really, to make sure that, um, you know, when we're training coaches to be coaches, um, that... We get them to remember that um, and it should be built into their qualifications. You know, this is the stuff that's that's intrinsic to all of us um, as as human beings and particularly valuable to us at all life stages. Um, so it's it's an interesting time. So we'll, we'll have to see and obviously play their ways doing some sort of sterling work. Um, hence why I'm here today. Are there any kind of anecdotal examples you can give us of, of where sport has maybe pivoted with this and realised that it needs to be more fun and more playful uh, to kind of have an ongoing success and to get kids more involved and more engaged with the sport. Yeah, you can see the stuff that's coming out through, obviously through play, the way they're shining a light on um, uh, some of the the sports that are taking a more playful approach um, with that. Obviously, I'm slightly biased, um, but from a parkour perspective, that was just, you know, it's play for for anybody really particularly not just adults and other bits or giving adults permission that they can play again um but it's just getting people to realize that you know a we were children once and b making sure that we we build the playfulness back into what we do not just in terms of the sport but what we do you know in and around school um 
how how we move, uh, what we do on our recreational time. Um, you know, we, parenting has a huge role to play with all of this, and I think that's something that we need to we need to bring into the picture. This isn't just about coaches; it's about parenting, it's about society, it's about local authorities, it's about sports, it's about government. Um, it's the whole fabric of society. So when we bring parents into this and we get parents and coaches involved, it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? Because we want to encourage them to step back. So by getting involved, they're actually getting out of the way. But is there a way that parents and coaches can be involved in that play? Even when we call it free play, would you encourage them to just follow the children's lead and let them advocate for the way that they want to go about things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, get on the swing. (laughs) Go on the slide, you know, have, have, have a go, um, you know, play with your children. There's, there's certainly, we've lost that as adults. You very rarely see as many um, parents and family members playing as they, as they used to. You know, I've got very fond memories of the park near me when I was younger and the weather was great. Um, I grew up in a, a, a deprived area, but we'd go up to the park and play rounders or jumpers for goalposts, um, hence the no ball game stuff, you know, chalk goal on the wall outside mum's house, climbing the tree, whatever it was, you know, and your aunties, your uncles, your extended family, whoever it was, the neighbours, they'd all sort of join in. Um, plus you build that community connection as well. So you know who your neighbours are, you're more likely to interact with them. Um, but the dominance of the car, unfortunately, has shrunk that physical world um, for our children and so we need to redress that balance and that goes back to getting more space for children to play not just play in its purest sense of the term but to play sport as well you know certainly what I did Kirby or a bit of basketball outside mum's house when you say it's shrunk the world for kids there are actual metrics around that aren't there you, you gave me some figures beforehand and they're they're actually quite shocking <laughs> they are yeah so broadly speaking there was a piece of research done by dr william Burrs, and over four generations um so from my great-grandfather's generation right through to to my children the the, the, the broad free range of movement has shrunk from you know several miles down to line of sight um and you know, that's because of all of social norming around it, the dominance of the car, um, the infrastructure that we build of it, the diminishing of play and the um, people having places to go to do stuff as opposed to spaces. Um, so the social norming of it has changed massively. And that's now resulted in children having less space and also a much a greater diminished or a diminished range of free range of movement. We published a report only this week um, on our website around um, the impacts of of that and the, 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 how how the world's shrunk over the last four generations um, and the impacts that's having on children's physical and mental health with it all. And we've all got a responsibility um, uh, to, to sort of redress that. Um, and play is a fundamental part of it. You don't need a court a wicket, a pitch, track or a field to play. You need that to play sport, but you don't need it to play. Um, so I think that's that's the bit that we, we need to get back to. Um, and, you know, there's opportunities in that for sport and physical activity, um, but also for schools as well. You know, you look at how, how players pretty much disappeared um in schools don't get me wrong that there's there's schools out there doing fantastic work with with play um but by and large as a general rule um you know play is not as valued as it used to be um you know i I go to school you play before school you play at lunchtime you play after school um now it's sort of like well line up do this get you in right you go to the after school sports club and that's it um and then the same with things like the holiday and activity and food fund or half um that is dominated by sports um 
which there isn't necessarily anything wrong with that in itself. But at the same time, where's play? You know, where does the play sort of fit into that? Um, and if you look at the children that go to that, again, you ask them what's the bit that they enjoy the most. It's usually the bit, the fun bits around the edges and the bits at the end of the session. Why is it at the end? Why is it not the main session? There's a negative connotation, I think, for some people around this in that we, we're getting to a point in society where there's awards for participation as opposed to competition. And people will argue that this is just another arm of that that same thing. What would you say to those people that, that think that play is going to be at the cost of competition and success in sport? Uh, quite the opposite for me. You know, play is the foundation of it all. Before, you, you know, it's the foundation of all human movement. It's how we learn to, to move um, as human beings. Um, and as I said earlier, as human beings, we've got an obligation to play, but we forget that as adults, conveniently. Um, and then that bleeds out into things like our coaching and other bits and pieces with it all. So we've got to make sure that we understand play for its intrinsic value uh, as human beings, its value to society and its value to um, physical literacy, physical activity, sport, P in school sport, whatever you want to call it, fitness, all of that sort of stuff. But you can't talk about any of that without talking about play. Play is the foundation of all of that. So we need to get get play sort of plugged in back into that and get people to understand where it fits and its value, not just to the movement sector, but more broadly to, to other sectors, to the creative um, sort of industries as well. Um, and see if we can get play work back on back on the agenda. Um, is play on the agenda enough for adults? We can talk about the digitisation of society and we can blame the iPad and we can blame TV for all of these ills that this young generation now are going through. But are kids seeing us play enough? Do we do enough to encourage this in this young generation? Yeah, simply no. Um, <laughs> and, and this is the thing, it's sort of, as adults, we're very conscious about looking silly a lot of the times. Um, but there's a great video on YouTube, I think it's from from New York, where they've done a social experiment. They just drew a hopscotch um, I've seen marking you're talking about. on the floor. Um, and you can see sort of adults being tense, shall I play, shall I not play? But then the social contagion kicks in. Once so someone does it, everybody goes, well, they did it. I'll have a little go. And then they smile and then... You know, you sort of get that playfulness that sort of comes in. So us as adults, yes, and we're we human beings. Our children learn from us, from our behaviours and what we, we do and don't do. Um, so I think, you know, yes, there is an obligation for, for adults to play. So I'd encourage all parents, everybody out there to go go and play uh, with their children and participate, but also play play yourselves, you know, have a go on the swing and the, and the slide or, um, you know, do your, your fitness class or your yoga, whatever it is, that, that is a form of form of play you know it's a form of social interaction um so it's it's there but i think with where we've got to we've societally normed play that a it's for children exclusively and b it should be done in a place you know whether that's a play center an adventure playground if they're still around a playground itself as opposed to just playing um you know and that there's an inherent value in that Certainly my children, when you know, they're, they're, they're sort of in their teenage years now, well, most of them, um, you know, jump, climb, crawl, swing off me, the door, whatever whatever it may be. But us as a society or parents, often we should say, get down from there, don't do this, don't do that, it's dangerous, you know. We need to be a little bit more encouraging around what we do. And again, that's the social norming aspect that we need to bring, bring back into it and certainly into the, the movement and sports sector. 
it almost does feel that we've forgotten how to play as adults. So when we're talking about coaches in these environments, as opposed to having them as play leaders in their sessions, how much do we think that they should be leaning on the kids to be the play leaders, but they join into that free play? Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody loves that sort of... um kids versus the coaches or kids versus the adults sort of sort of session um it's all it's all that's the fun that's the you know the bit that sort of makes people smile and other bits and there's a lot of formality in the informality and I, I think we forget that um and the fun is something that we need to inject back into into sport it's it, it it's become far too um serious um and very rigid um because we want to create elite, elite athletes and there's there's nothing wrong with creating elite athletes but we can't do that at a detriment um to to children more broadly and and the movements uh sort of sector and i think we've got to be a little bit less selfish both as adults and as individual sports and stop looking at them as they're our athlete and looking at them as children how do we make this as fun how do we make it so that children are as physically literate and physically active as they as they can be and that cuts across from the moment they wake up all the way through to the moment they go to bed and all the interactions they have whether that's school the sports club uh, the arts club whatever it may be that they're going to um i think we've all got an obligation to to be a little bit more playful with what we do and how we do it so if a, a parent a teacher a coach is listening to this what would be your top tips on reintroducing play and making play a more central part of school activities and sports activities yes yeah, the classic question how do i start <laughs> and the simple answer is that when do you stop when did you stop you completely you know we all we all played as children you know there's games we spoke about you know what i called kirby i think you called it Mob, mob. Yeah, so exactly. We all did it and it's there. And sometimes we just need that nudge to go, oh, yeah. And you unlock something from, from your childhood and everybody has a slightly different version or different rules. I think we all made them up at one point. Um, certainly tag or tig, whichever whichever you want to call it. You all called it different different names and other bits. So, And we all had our own rules around stuff. Um, but there's value in that. And I think that's that's the thing. You know, a great game that I used to love at school um, was bench ball absolutely went mad for it um and that was just the stuff that the teacher used to put out but um yeah we don't we don't sort of allow that to happen enough um certainly these days now and i think we can learn a lot from from children you know letting them make up the rules you know it's a great way for them to to be able to to set their boundaries and what the, it also tells you what they want to do as opposed to well the rule book says or this is what we want you to do over there out of the way type thing and you can take some learning from that um you know i remember when i was a football coach many years ago um i went along to a basketball scrimmage session where you know it's free play you're just doing all of that and there was a little drill that they would they they just made up themselves and i took that and brought into my football coaching and said to me where did you get that so well i nicked it from them they were just playing and just copied it and took it over there but they they loved it in a football setting um so we can learn things from from different sectors and 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 different different organizations really and i think we just need to be brave enough to to step into that um and listen you know youth voice or children's voice is it is something that is isn't heard enough and how much will children learning that self-advocacy from being play-led in these endeavours and coaching and sport, how much is that going to impact them when it comes to everything else in society as they grow up? 
Well, I think it, it gives them the, the resilience. You know, that there's the inherent values in play is so broad. Um, and I think that's why it's so fundamental that we protect it, maintain it, enhance it, reprovide for it and bake it into things like like sport as well as other other sectors, you know, whether that be the creative industries or just play in its in its own right um, with it all. You know, in the same way you've been talking about coaches, our sector, we talk about play workers. They're the ones that are out there doing doing the work and running things like adventure playgrounds and after school clubs and doing great work in in schools. Um so I think there's 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 that broad spectrum we can learn from each other um, with that, and they're quite symbiotic. They go they work hand in glove, and I think we just need to to be cognizant of that um, and make sure we open up the doors for, for for children to come in and make sure that their voices is heard. I certainly feel very inspired to go and play now. So for legal reasons, I won't be going to do knock knock ginger around my neighbours <laughs> this evening. But Eugene, thank you so much for joining us today and, and teaching us so much important, valuable stuff about play. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to leave us a review and share this with someone else who you think might like it too. Check out our website, www.playtheirway.org and follow Play Their Way on social media at Play Their Way on TikTok, X and LinkedIn and at Play Their Way UK on Facebook and Instagram. 